So I played that video. Uh, we, we have Memorial Day coming up next weekend, but I played that video actually because of uh, what we're going to talk about this morning. I love that concept, even though maybe some of that generation doesn't. I love that concept of the greatest generation, and I, I, I agree with that term personally just because um, I don't think we've ever seen, um, or at least not seen since then, a generation rise to a cause the way that generation did. Um, and it wasn't just in terms of the military. It was in terms of every person at home and uh, everybody doing their part, everybody chipping in however they could, everybody sacrificing uh, to make sure that the war effort was supported. And uh, it was just, uh, when you look back on you know, that history, it's an incredible thing to, uh, to see. It's really, really, truly incredible. Um, and I think that when... Uh, to see a nation, it wasn't just our nation, other nations did the same thing. You can look at the British history that, you know, they chipped in and, and uh, all sacrificed the same way that we did too. Um, it was, it's something to see when, when people are moving together in the same direction with a common goal and a common cause, a common purpose, a common passion to see the same result achieved. Um, the, the, that force can be unstoppable, just absolutely unstoppable. And I think that one of the things that has taken place in modern Christianity is that we have, uh, to some degree, lost that sense of a common purpose, a common goal uh, to see God's kingdom realized here on earth. And instead, we have bought into this idea of a kind of singular faith. It's my faith. It's very personal to me. It's, you know, whatever. And we've lost that sense of that we're called to be a part of a community doing something greater together than we could ever do on our own. And so make no mistake that when we're talking about the Christian faith, this is not just simply an idea of you becoming a better person. That's not what this faith is all about. And I know maybe for some of you, that may be exactly what brought you to church uh, to begin with, or maybe what brings you to church here for the first time today. You've been having these thoughts of, man, I got to get my life together. And, you know, I got to get some, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm falling apart here and I got to do something to, 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 you know, get myself all straightened up. And so maybe Jesus will help me do that. And, and, and that's fine. That's a good entry point. That's a good entry point. That's fine if that's what brought you here today or what brought you here before. But that is not where Christ wants to leave you. That, yes, it is about a personal faith. It is about us, um, you, know, um, you know, having this relationship with Jesus Christ. But what we're called to be is a part of a community. It's actually one of the, you know, we've talked before about how uh, that we're all created in the image and likeness of God. And as a part of being his image bearers, when you look at God, God exists in perfect unity with himself, with the other members of the Trinity. There is this uh, concept out there that the whole reason that God created people in the first place is because, you know, he just he was just all alone in this universe and he was all lonely and he needed he needed a. I don't know what do you need? What do you need a pet? I don't know what what was what's that all about? And so so like he like just God was lonely and he needed us and so he created God was not lonely he did not need us he was living in perfect fellowship perfect community with uh, the Son with the Holy Spirit uh, they were just fine exactly the way that they are but us being 
uh, created in his image and in his likeness. We are not created to live in isolation. We're created to mirror God in that same way that we're created to be in union with each other. That we're not, you know, truly no man is an island, right? That we, it's, and you've heard me say it before, that this faith thing is not a solo sport. It's something that we all do together. And just as if, you know, let's say the, the, the World War II effort, you know, uh, it had inspired one man to rise up against the, you know, the axis of evil back in that time, um, that one man would have been entirely annihilated, right? But it took nations coming together of not just military, but civilians and everybody kind of focused on the same thing, on the same effort, moving in the same direction uh, for the same purpose. And their, their mission was accomplished through that kind of effort. And in the same way, the church is set up that if we're going to accomplish the purposes for our, that God has put on us as a church, and not only us as a local church, but us as, as a universal church, then it requires us to be moving in the same direction, kind of locked arms with one another. Uh, and so this is why we uh, talk a lot of the way we talk in church life when we're, tr- we're trying to get you more involved in church. It's not some sort of like come in a little closer to the cult. That's not what we're doing here. What we're trying to do is, is we're trying to uh, let you into a, a greater reality of what faith can look like when you step beyond just your you and God faith and you become a part of the us faith, the covenant community faith that we're all involved in. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing when that happens. Now, I wanted to read a verse to you, a passage to you from the book of Ecclesiastes. It's in the Old Testament. It's a book of wisdom. It's a very odd book, uh, very kind of dark and negative and, and uh, almost hopeless feeling when you read it. Uh, but the, the author, we believe, was King Solomon, even though in the book he only identifies himself as the preacher. He says, the preacher says this. And so that was like his his Twitter handle or something, I guess. He was the preacher. But we think it was probably uh, King Solomon. And, uh, and so, but he goes through this whole several chapters of this book talking about how I'm looking around and trying to figure out life and all I can think of is that everything is meaningless. It's all vanity. It's all like uh, dust in the wind, right? It's all, you know, he was a Kansas fan before Kansas. Some of you guys don't get that. But anyway, so... <laughs> Rob, you should have done dust in the wind this morning. You really should have. So anyway, um, so yeah, that's, you know, he was, he just, everything, he's looking around trying to figure out the meaning of life and he just can't come to anything other than it's just vanity, it's meaningless. And he says this in Ecclesiastes chapter four, starting with verse seven. He says, again, I saw vanity under the sun. One person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there's no end to all his toil or his work. And his eyes are never satisfied with riches so that he never asks, for for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. So he he paints this picture of a guy who... Who, who is, uh, he's got a good business mind, evidently. He's, he's made some money. Uh, he's kind of, you know, maybe what we would look, out, look at from the outside with the, you know, kind of our American mentality from the outside looking in, we'd go, okay, this guy seems pretty successful or whatever. He works like crazy. He's making money hand over foot. And he's looking around, but he's, he's like all by himself. Evidently, he's made, made some choices in his life that have completely isolated him from everybody that would possibly 
care about him and he's he's built he's got the big house and he's got the great cars and he's got the you know he's got the boats and he's got the vacation rentals and 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 everything you know that we all dream of and hope for and all that kind of stuff he's got all that stuff that everybody works for and he's looking around and he's going why why am i doing all this work I, there's nobody here to share this with there's nobody here to share this with i think a lot of times that in our spiritual lives, we can, and maybe, maybe in your kind of literal, your physical, physical lives, you can identify with that. Before maybe some of you are looking around, going, "Yeah, who? What? What have I done all this for? What, what's what's it all for? In any way, if it's just me enjoying all of this, or me working and never getting to take a break and enjoy the things I've worked for? Some of you maybe feel like that. Or even you may have families and 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 that whole situation where you're not literally alone, but you may feel like you're working so hard that it's like I never get to spend time with my family. I never get to spend time, uh, you know, enjoying those things that I've I've been able to to you know own and possess and that sort of thing. And, and it's like, why? Why am I doing all this work? He goes on in the next passage to say this, verse 9, he says, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. So it's against this idea that we are stronger together than we are, you know, when we're isolated, right? Isn't that that's the principle of the lion and the uh, gazelle, right? That's like you, you, the isolated ones get picked off; they get eaten. They get, you know, they pretty soon they're just a bloody mess on a lion's face, right? And that is why we cannot isolate because actually the Bible describes Satan as a, a roaring lion seeking whom he's trying to devour. And if you're the one isolating, guess what? You're getting devoured. You're getting devoured. I've seen this happen so many times. I just saw it happen recently with uh, somebody that I know and love and care about so much who's kind of walking down a path that had me concerned and tried to reach out to this person and just say, you know, how can I help? And let's talk and everything else. And just couldn't bring himself to like actually sit and reach out for help. It was so close, this close to like stepping in and going, yeah, I need some help. And then at the last minute, would just back away. Like, I know I need to take care of this on my own. I'm just watching this person just spiral out, just absolutely spiral out. Why? He's, he's setting himself up to become lion food. He's literally setting himself up to become lion food. That was a misuse of the word literally. I guess that would be symbolically. Symbolically setting himself up to become lion food, right? So it's so important that, it, you know, that we, we do this together. Let me, let me just tell you a little bit about my, my spiritual walk. Like, like I, I spend a good amount of time in a personal relationship with God. I spend a decent amount of time praying 
and in the word and, and just kind of working out spiritual disciplines. The Bible, the New Testament tells us to work out our salvation. I love that term. Some people hate that term because they think we're talking about working for your salvation. That's not what it's talking about. It says to work out our salvation. In other words, that once you accept faith in Jesus Christ and you start this faith journey, that there's some work that is, is kind of, uh, you know, maintenance work that has to take place in your life. If you want to maintain a close relationship with Jesus Christ, you can't just phone it in. You have to put some effort into it. And when you put effort into your relationship with Christ in the same way as a friendship or a marriage or whatever else, when you put that effort into that relationship, then the fruit comes back uh, much greater than if you were just phoning it in or, or, or just hoping it all turns out great by accident. And it's that same concept, like I spend a good amount of time working out my salvation, really trying to work in my relationship with Christ. But how, what, what, I've, what I've learned is the, the older I've got is that is not enough. Like I cannot pray enough, read enough scripture, you know, whatever, give enough money. I can't do enough of that to... Um, this is a good example. Okay, so when you're in youth ministry, I did youth ministry for a lot of years, and some of you who have been done youth ministry know what I'm talking about. You can spend two years with a teenager, and you know every Wednesday night or whenever it is your youth group meeting is, or you know whatever in that meeting time, and 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 have you know decent interaction and things like that. But you spend one week with that person at camp, twenty four seven. That escalates that relationship like crazy. Like absolutely like crazy, right? I mean, it just, it just that, that whole relationship will just flower because it's, it's just intensive. This is why when we occasionally do uh, short-term mission trips, this is why short-term mission trips are so great. They're such a great discipleship tool. It's not because God is working greater over in India or over in Papua New Guinea or Malaysia or somewhere. It's not like he's, his presence is stronger there and we got to go travel to visit God. You know, it's not, that's not the thing it is. It's any time you give 24-7 of your life, for an amount of time just devoted to God and listening to him and working for him, you cannot help but grow closer to him. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing that happens. And it's the same thing that, that is so true with us. Like I can, I can spend all this kind of one-on-one time with God and pray and read the Bible and do all that kind of stuff, which I do. But there's something that fast tracks my faith when I do it with you all. There's something that really takes my faith and jumps it up to the next level when I find myself in community and living out my faith in community with all of you guys. It just makes it so much better. I'm at, we, in, uh, what, a week or two, Isaiah's getting ready to graduate. Well, I don't know where he is. He's, he's next door, I think. So uh, Isaiah, my son, he's getting ready to graduate here in a week or two, and, and uh, it's just been awesome. I'm... I'm typical dad dreading the whole thing of him, you know, leaving the nest and, and, uh, I'm going to miss that guy. I got to get a real friend now. And, uh, and so, so anyway, but he, he's been, he's, he's been a, a great kid to have around and, and, uh, uh, I'm really going to miss him. But here's the thing about Isaiah, as good a kid as he is, uh, you guys remember, uh, LC and Melissa Cunningham, they used to attend church here. I used to go early morning walking with LC and Elsie uh, had a phrase that he would, when he would talk about his own kids, he would say, it takes a village to raise an idiot. <laughs> I'd love that phrase. I'm not going to take credit. For, that's why I credit Elsie for it. It's not me. Blame him. But, um, but yeah, no, I, it's, it takes a village to raise an idiot. It's, I just love that phrase. But, it, but here's the kind of truth beyond that very rude phrase is that 
um, that we all together raised a much better Isaiah than I could have raised by myself. We we raised a much better Isaiah than I could have raised myself. There's so many of you that poured into his life, that spent time with him, that helped him process his feelings and his spirituality, that helped him grow in his faith in ways, and he listened to good life lessons from you in ways that he wouldn't listen to to from dear old dad, right? And, and, And I welcomed that, and I love so much how you guys rallied around him and just, just helped me build a better son, right? It's because together we get a greater uh, a reward on our work, a greater return on our work than if it's just me doing it all by myself or if it's just Jamie trying it all on her own. Together, the return is greater. It's the same thing. The same principle is so true in every area of our spiritual lives. Every area of our spiritual lives. It's why we as a church are positioned so well to move forward. Can I, can I tell you something that, and, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just speaking kind of matter-of-factly, I'm not trying to brag or anything like that. Um, I've got a, a strategy for ministry in my head that if we adopted this strategy for ministry today, I think w- within a matter of, two months, we would see our size and influence double or triple. Double or triple. The problem is, is that the phrase, many hands make light work. You guys ever did that thing where where a ton of guys gather around a car and just lift up a car, you know, that sort of thing, because it's just many hands make light work, right? The problem is, is that the hands are too few for us to actually execute that strategy. And I don't want to burn out those people that are contributing and helping and you know, doing everything that they can to, to serve the Lord and serve this church and, and just you know, all that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't want to overtax those people and, and burn them out. But this is what I know. You guys have heard me say this a dozen times before. Everything we need to accomplish the ministry and the goals that God has set before us is right here in this room. We don't need, we don't, we're not, we don't sit around dreaming of, oh, I wish that rich guy would start coming to our church. Oh, I wish that guy with that, you know, 12 kids would start coming to this church. I, I, we don't sit around dreaming about who might come in. What I dream about is the people that are here actually diving into this community and beginning to kind of live out their faith in community, really and truly live it out. Where faith is not just a hobby. Faith is not just an afterthought or a reserve for an hour on Sunday or whatever else. That it's something that you are active and living out all the time. Both personally, one-on-one, which is important. And together in community, which is equally important. Equally important. There is, I, I believe this. I believe there's so much more that God wants to accomplish for our, for, through our church. So much more. It's all right here in this room for us to be able to do it, all of it. I want to challenge each of you to just kind of spend some time thinking, like, where am I in terms of, well, first of all, where am I in terms of my one-on-one relationship with God? Like, am I investing in that relation to the point that I'm seeing a good return in that time that I'm spending with God? And Where am I in terms of the time I'm investing in this community of faith? 
Because it's in the community of faith that we're actually called to be a part of. How am I investing in that? Am I, am I really diving in? You guys know, if you've ever ran a business or you've been a manager, uh, you know, some, some form of management in a business or anything like that, you, you know that the employees you love the most are the ones you don't have to babysit, right? They're the ones that are self-starters. They just jump in and they just do. You barely have to tell them what to do. And when you do tell them what to do, they get it and they take it and they up the ante. They just, they just run. They take ownership of the business almost, right? They take ownership of that role that they're in and they just run with it. They don't sit around and wait and say, okay, now go do this. Okay, you finish that. Now go do this. They just go, 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 right? And in the same way, like this is the kind of maturity that we are hoping all of you eventually step into, and many of you are already there, but all of you eventually step into in terms of life in community in a church is that you look at this church and you don't just simply sit around and wait for someone to say, I think you should do this or maybe do this next or whatever else, but instead you just, you hear the Holy Spirit speaking, placing something on your heart and you just do it. It's one, of the, my, it's one of my favorite things about Living, Ch- Living Hope Church. One of my favorite things about Living Hope Church is that as the lead pastor, there's a lot of things I have no idea that are going on. Some of you guys just take off and you just do. Like the whole, for instance, the, the whole grief share ministry. That thing happened and was up and running before I barely knew about it. Like somebody was just like, I think we should do this thing. And it sounds like a great program. And we got some people in need. And I know we got some people in our, in our church and in the community that are struggling with grief. And I think that we can help. And they just, boom, they just went and did it. And it was awesome. And it's something I would have never done because I don't have the time to do it. And because I just didn't have a passion for it, right? But there were a group of people in the church that did have a passion for it. And they just took it and ran with it. And now they've been through that class, what, three times at least? two or three times and going into a a fourth time and they're reaching out to people in the community. People are, I mean, people in the church are being helped through it, but also people that are just hearing about it through the community are going, yeah, I could definitely use that. I need that in my life. And they're coming and they're, they're being introduced to a, a, a new renewed faith in Christ through this ministry and all kinds of stuff. It's, it's beautiful when that happens. And that's just one example I could give you a dozen other examples of things where people just go, yeah, I thought this was a great idea, so I just did it, and and we're serving these people now. And I'm like, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. And when you pull in other people around to help you, and you're not just isolated doing it yourself, and it just grows and it grows and it grows, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Our church is positioned to be such a fantastic church because it's not a church that's completely reliant on me or any other pastor or leader here in this church. I'm just the loud one every Sunday, right? And you guys are actually out there. You're doing beautiful, beautiful ministry. And I want to challenge you that if you, if, you know, first of all, if you're here, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're making this a part of your life because it's important. I don't want to, I don't want to minimize what goes on here. It's important kind of talking about what goes on here, even just in terms of this hour on Sunday every week, the number of man hours it takes to go into making all of this happen is, it would baffle your mind. It's unbelievable. 
the people that spend time preparing for worship and learning to better play instruments and practicing the music and coming here and rehearsing and working with the sound equipment and doing all of that and getting everything tidied up and cleaned and, and preparing the communion and preparing the coffee and the donuts and the, and the kids' ministry and all the hours that go into preparing those lessons and getting the crafts together and everything and checking the parking lot to make sure everything's looking good out there. I mean, it's on and on and on it goes. It's so, I mean, just the, just the man hours it takes in hair and makeup and Botox to get me and Rob looking good every Sunday morning is unbelievable, unbelievable, right? And so, like, it's just, like, it's, it's amazing, like, I, can't, I don't even know what the number would be. I should figure it up sometime, but it, it is, it, I'm guessing hundreds of man hours it takes every week just to do what we do here every week. And if it was all dependent on me or if it was all dependent on Rob or... Bill or whoever else, ah, it would be it would be pathetic. It would be horrible. You guys make it beautiful. You take you take an ugly duckling and you make it beautiful. And I can't thank you enough for that. And what I want to challenge you to do is just go. Okay, if I'm I'm here, I'm enjoying things. I feel like God is drawing me in closer. I'm I'm working on the one on one. But. I want you to join us in working in the us on one, right? I want you to join in with the us of all of this. The, the, uh, never mind. I, I was, okay. Okay, shake. Okay. I just, there was a word that popped in there that I, I never mind. And so <laughs> these are the trials of preaching when you don't have notes. Um, and so, yeah, join in with all of us. And I, I, I no, I'm not going to say. It. Okay, so. Um, it's just important. It's just important. It's so important. Like if you're going to, if we're going to be everything that God has called us to be, if we're going to do everything that I believe God is challenging us and calling us to do, if we're going to contribute to his kingdom makeover that he's doing on this planet in ways that he wants us to contribute, that's going to take all of us, all of us to do it. Don't just be satisfied being a fan Don't just be satisfied sitting on the sidelines. Like, get in the game. Get on the field. That's where the action's happening. Get on the field. Join us, because we need your help. We really need your help. This is the point I want to bring out. This one right here. That faith alone is never alone. We have this phrase in, in uh, you know, Protestant Christianity where we're, we're saved by faith alone. And that's true. We're saved by faith alone. It's only, all we need to, to get salvation through Jesus Christ is just faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. That's all it takes. But faith alone is never done in a vacuum. It's never alone. He never called you to be in this you know, just me and God relationship. He called you to be a part of a larger community. And you can't help. I mean, you can't read the words of Jesus. You can't read the words of the other New Testament writers and not come away with that fact that we are called into a beautiful community where we can do more together than we could isolate it. So get with the pack. Stop isolating yourself. Stop setting yourself up for failure. One of the other most beautiful things about this church that I love so much is that we are an honest, authentic community. We do not invite you to come in and pretend to be somebody that you're not. Don't do that. 
It's a waste of your time. We're, nobody's impressed by it. Don't do that. You come in, you be you, you deal with your garbage that you got going on because we all got garbage going on in our lives and we lean on each other and we pray for each other and we celebrate with one another when things are getting better and we cry with one another when things are going rough. We just do real life together. Because this is what happens when you do real life by yourself. It just kicks your butt. Real life stinks. All alone, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. But when you've got a group of people that you can do that thing together with, that keep you encouraged, that kind of keep you focused on the main thing, anybody raise your hand and would admit that occasionally your mind gets the best of you and you make a bigger deal of things in your mind than they really are? Yeah, a lot of you. And don't you love it when you've got that friend, that Christian brother or sister that kind of helps you refocus and kind of, get, kind of get that God's eye view of things and go, this is not as bad as you think it is. You're going to get through this. This is be okay. I've been through it 12 times already. You're, you're, going, to be, you're going to be fine, right? That's what you need. That's what you need, that kind of community. So jump into this. Jump into this. We're going to close in prayer, and we're going to pray the, the, that prayer that Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew chapter 6. And I want you to focus on the very first word of that prayer. He doesn't say, let me teach you how to pray. Pray like this. Pray my father. He didn't say my father. He said our father. This is something that we pray together. We come to God together. So pray with me. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father, you're good. And um, I just thank you for drawing us into uh, this faith the way that you have. Different ones of us in this room are at different points of our faith journey. Some of us are further along. Some of us are brand new. Some of us are still shopping around and trying to figure out if we even want this thing or not. Uh, But I thank you that your Holy Spirit is active and working in all of our lives. And so I pray that you would just help us to draw closer to you. God, as, as we individually make decisions to draw closer to you, God, I pray that collectively we would become a healthier body so that we can accomplish your purposes in your kingdom. So just lead us and guide us in the way that you want us to go. Help us to be everything that you want us to be. God, give us dreams and visions of what you want for us to accomplish. And uh, we'll give you all the credit. We'll give you all the praise, all the glory. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.